0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Good morning. This is how you're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi today. Happy Monday. Gorgeous day out there. I tell you, our guest today is somebody that. We need to hear more from him. In fact, we have heard from him for 59 years. He has championed civil rights and community development and racial reconciliation. He's established nonprofits. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Our guest is John M. Perkins. He is an American Christian minister, civil rights activist, Bible teacher, best-selling author, philosopher, and community developer. He is the founder and the president of the John and Vera Mae Perkins Foundation with his wife, Vera Mae. Perkins, who just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. She's also known as Grandma Perkins to everybody. She's just a great soul. He's the co-founder of the Christian Community Development Association, CCDA. And despite being a third grade dropout, Perkins has been recognized for his work with 16 honorary doctorate degrees from schools, including Belhaven University, Virginia University of Lynchburg, Wheaton College, Gordon College, Taylor University, northern cemetery in Millsaps College. He served on the board of directors of World Vision and Prison Fellowship. Now this is um, how important John Perkins vision has been throughout the years. He has served on or advised five uh, boards. He's been on five different presidential task force for five different presidents. Okay, let me get that – let me kind of go backwards a little bit here for a second. He has been on five – he's advised five different U.S. presidents. Um, he's the author of 17 books. His latest book is One Blood, Parting Words to the Church on Race. Um, it's good to have John on today, and I think you're going to really enjoy this interview. He um, he is not pulling any punches on this. He is as strong as ever at 90 which, by the way, is his birthday tomorrow. So sit back and enjoy and soak up a little bit of wisdom from John M. Perkins.
0: The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns.
1: Dr. Perkins, it is an honor and pleasure to get to talk to you today. Well, it's a
2: special honor to talk to you, especially on your Mississippi network. I hope that it can lead us toward a deeper sense of oneness. That's where we are at right now. We can't go much further without all of our dignity reflects that image of God. And I think we're in a
1: crisis there, but I
2: think there's a way
1: forward. Hey Amen. And I look forward to talking to you about that today. And first of all, I wanted to say early happy birthday. I understand you have a, a big milestone birthday coming up.
2: Tomorrow is my is my 90th birthday. Yesterday we celebrated my seven years of being married to my wife, Vera Mae. So I'm in a I'm in a mood that is really great right now.
1: You got a big old smile on your face. How is she oh. doing? She is she has got to be one of the toughest ladies on the planet.
2: Well, yeah, she said that I used to travel so much. She pull used to put on the pants and take them off, and she took on <laughs> the, put on the pants and kept them on. She ran everything
1: around this house. She did. She's an amazing. Of course, everybody knows her as Grandma Perkins and. She's just, um, she's great, and I just wanted to tell her a big hello. Also, we got a lot of ground to cover, just because, like you said, the state of the world today. But I think probably it's just good to get started where you started in New Hebron, Mississippi, and in, in your early life. Tell us a little bit about your, your, your childhood.
2: Yeah, I think what motivates me, and I learned that since I've been a Christian, and I became a Christian, and and when I. Uh, in, in 1957, and I was about uh, 27 years old, I guess. And when I became when I became a Christian, I think it was my mother's death that motivates me. She died on a plantation that was one step up from slavery, uh, and that didn't break unto Brown versus the Board of Education was the beginning of that break that separate we couldn't be equal separate made us inferior separate deified white folks and minimized black folks in life so i i after my brother was killed coming back from germany well first i was born and my mother then she died seven months after my birth from a disease is called pellagra. It's the lack of the nutrition to keep your body functioning. You know, and she died that way. She was sick to lay on the bed with, like, bones. And, and then they, uh, when I, she died, I lived. Boy, when I discovered that, that I might have been taking the milk that she needed for her life. I died. Yeah. I said I learned all of this later, and that became my motivation for my living. After my brother was killed, then that my grandmother took us in. She gave uh, uh, two of the kids, gave three of the kids away. She kept my oldest brother, and my he could plow, and I was seven months old. Now those are the motivation that goes to my mind. And my mother, grandmother, uh when we were young kids, the sheriff came, we was bootleggers and gamblers down in New Hebrew. When my mother came and I mean a sheriff came and they claimed they found a whisker bottle on the one of our little bed mats there. And and they said they were gonna send, take her to jail. This is what uh caused me to be who I am today. She's, of course, in Christ. And they, they said, I want to take you to bed, Grandma Furkin. take you to jail. And she said, you think I'm going to leave these children and go to jail? All the men were working somewhere. And she said, if if, if, if I was a man, I, I, I would kick you behind. <laughs> that white man. Uh, wow. That affirmed my dignity, and that's what have happened to so many of us, so many ways, so many signs, so many, all of this, that have deified white and men lives. And that's the reality. And that's why we can't go no farther. We can't go no farther. For the last 35 years, kids, white kids, black kids, Asian kids, they've been going to school together. They are not damaged as much as they tried to damage I mean, men of us. But that's why I got in jail and beaten up. I want to think some students should not be beat up just because they're black.
1: Just because well, they're well, black. So, yeah, so Dr., Dr. Perkins, at one point, though, you decided to leave the, when you went to California, and you were fairly successful out there. And you have mentioned that Spencer, your late son, um, introduced you to Christianity. And I wanted you know, because I know you'd probably been introduced to church before that point. But what was the difference at that point that really turned you toward Christ the way you are today?
2: I I I, I think that milk they gave me saved my brain. I testified, you remember, before the Senate Nutrition Committee that right. uh, that governor. Uh, uh, from South Dakota ran for president on that. It was such a popular committee. That's when we first discovered poverty in Mississippi uh and I t- gave my testimony about my mother dying, yeah, and out of that has come the wIC program. Now, go back again and ask me that question. I think that is significant to know. That certain right. things happen to you in your early life. If you get it sometime and don't discover it, you can be dehumanized. But if you discover your own dignity, and that's where we got to go now, we can't go no further. Right. They can't go no further. Black lives matter too. All lives matter. You know, so... So it was at early life, and then when my brother went into the service, spent his time there, came home, and he was shot down by white in my little town of New, of New Hebron. That's what got me out to California. It was out there, my young son, Spencer, went to a good news club. I didn't go to church that much because I, 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 I didn't. I didn't see people crying about Jesus down on the cross and shouting about it, but we weren't doing much about the community around us. But I didn't realize nihilism and all that, how the people can get beat down. They can believe that they don't have values. They still can believe that the white dogs are better than the black dogs. That's where it all started at. I think those are the things we gotta talk about together we got to talk about that together, and then we got to forgive each other together. I'm not a bigot. I cannot be a bigot. That was my conversion. And I was converted to think that white folk was about as good as I was, and I was about as them. Now, not many people get that, but young folks are getting that now. And this is dangerous. This is dangerous. I think Abraham Lincoln said it best. You can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Black folks is feeling their inherited dignity, and they can't go on with this shooting game with killing blacks. And and we black are just as mean in some other areas as the white is mean in that area because we kill each other. So I ain't going down that road. I ain't going on that road. But I think we as a society, and especially as a church, we're responsible for telling that good news. Telling that good news. Telling that good news. God loves the little children. All the children of the world. Brown and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. God loves the little children of the world. We've got to get around to that. That's the name of the game. It's reconciliation to God and then reconciliation to each other.
1: It's time for us to take our first break. When we return, we'll continue speaking with our guest, Dr. John Perkins. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. You're listening now. You're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. You're just joining us. Our guest today is civil rights activist, community developer, best-selling author, and all-around modern folk hero, Dr. John Perkins. Dr. Perkins, uh, great conversation so far. And I think everything that you have lived through in your life has led up to what's going on in the news today. And that's why I wanted to get you on today. And we've been talking a little bit about your early life and how, you know, your mom you know, she made a sacrifice by giving you the nutrition you needed. You were able to find Christ out in California. It kind of changed the direction of your life. 1960 rolls around. You make a decision to come back to Mississippi, which was a pretty bold move, to be honest. Why did you decide to come back home?
2: Well, I I, I begin to reminisce, looking back, uh, trying to find out what I needed to get forgiven for, you know, you do that when you are enlightened by Christ. And the first thing you're going to ask, what must I do to be saved? And then we're going to ask, what must I do after I'm saved? And I had went with my poverty in Mississippi and how we had lived. And my brother getting killed after coming back from the service that got me to California. And then when I began to see that and begin to look for, my life felt changed. My life felt changed. I was yeah. despaired by white folks and 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 other ethnic groups in California. Their integration was t- taking place everywhere by this after World War Two, and more so in the other states that wasn't California, Mississippi. We had to fight for every ounce of ours. And so I realized that, and I realized my upbringing. I began to reminisce on that. And I had went out to make it in California, and I thought I was going to make it. Uh, I was almost became an economist when I worked the whole day, and when I was about 12 years old, and the man gave me 15 cents for that day's work. That taught me economics, because <laughs> I learned it. This slogan about economic, give people a fish and they'll eat for a day, teach them how to fish and they'll eat for life. It's who owns the pond determines who fish, and we didn't own no pond. You know, they, they give us slogans for equality. We don't talk in equality. We, teach, we talk inferiority in life. And, and so he saved me from a lot of that bigotry just at my conversion, and I I thought the white folk could be converted as I could be converted, and I heard the gospel. Jesus loved the little children, all the children of the world, brown and yellow, black and white. What was in Arkansas, guards was on the door, sent by the president of the United States to keep nine black children out of school. We heard that back then. We heard that when Emmett Till was killed. This is the first time the biggest society had heard it. But they couldn't do nothing about it. Rosa Parks did something about it. And Emmett Till's mother opened up his casket. Uh, well, I'm not a white hater. That, that's something I'm, I, I believe in equality. You don't hear me wait, race baiting. I'm going to say that God created us all in his image. And that's the central message of the gospel. Uh, white folk got it wrong. Black folk believed it too. They thought they could be equal by just having a black church. That's the nature that's... of what it means to be saved. It's reconciled to God and then to one another. So we keep race baiting. Whites and blacks, we need to come together and say to be a Christian is to be reconciled to God and each other and seeking to love one another, because love is of God. He that loves is born of God and knoweth God. He that loves not knoweth not God. I'm not no white man's hater. I'm not no black man's hater. What I want us to do is to try to be one people and be the church. And be the people of God. That's the message I think we have to have. I'm afraid of where we're at right now. I'm thinking it might be coming to the reality that black folks are going to live out. Before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to be with Jesus and be free. Oh, Lord, have mercy, man. We are at a crisis right now that we need to forgive each other. I going to forgive white folk for my uh, early on dislike of them, and even after I was beaten in the Brandon jail, I had to get yeah, over that. Yeah, let's touch on
1: let's let's touch on the Brandon jail because that was the moment. I mean, you had been, you know, you had boycotted. The, I mean, here's the thing: you were doing the boycott of the businesses, but at the same time, you were actually doing all these different activities in the the community, from having a health center to doing the childcare to doing everything else. So you were doing faith with works, but you got arrested and you got, you got beaten in the brand of jail. What happened there? And then how did that change your mindset and change how you approached toward reconciliation? Cause that's where the three R's come into play.
2: Yeah. 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 It was, it was actually it, that holistic. When I came back home, I felt like we needed a holistic approach it, it, you know, we you say, if you get saved, everything is finished. Everything begins when you get saved. You're seeking after God. You now know God, and you're seeking to serve him. And then when you come out to Mississippi and see what it was like in 1960, that was a year or so before Meg Edwards was killed. I came back, and then uh, three years later was Mississippi summer my children that was old enough, they went to that summer school where they were teaching them how if they was arrested, was, as they joined the civil rights movement, they'd be nonviolent. You get the idea? Well, and then yeah. they arrested some What they were doing is arresting boys, put them in jail, beat them, send them the parchment for six or seven months. I got signed, I think it was four months in jail and and and, and four hundred dollar fine. I don't want the punishment for for supposedly have uh 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 did something to a minor, not, not not in a sex thing, but she went to jail with her contributing to the length of a minor. And so it was in that jailhouse when I really, you might say, came to a a more progressiveness. In terms of wanting to be reconciled, because when I came out of that, when I was in that jail and they would beating me, I saw these white folks like animals, and boy, I felt sorry for that. I saw I I saw my even causing them to beat us if we caused them by wanting our rights, but I felt guilty for that even. And then when I went to the hospital during those days, white folks served me and black folks served me, and I went to the hospital in Mount Valley to get away from these white folks. And it was there, and my eyes were open too. But in that jail that night, as they would beat me, this is when I was bargaining with God. I said, God, if you let me out of this jail night, I want to preach a gospel that can save those animal white people and say me too. I wanna to preach your gospel that can reconcile us together that we might be one, that the world might know that we are Christian because of the love you have one for another. And I think we're at a turning point right now. I think a, a, a large segment. This whole idea of minorities and ox mindset, white folks mindset that everybody not white is a minority. That's coming. Um, Armageddon. The white race is not more people than the brown and black race. That's uh, that's foolishness. That's just as foolish as you can be. Everybody come in other countries here as a minority. Well, who's the majority? I, I think that unfelt fear that by 2050 uh, white folks will be one of those minorities. Oh Lord, have mercy. We had a problem on our hand here. And just giving somebody another program is not going to do it. We don't give them every kind of program. And those programs many times addicts us. It makes us feel like that we are addicted and that white folks have to do everything to help us out. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. I think they ought to. I think we all for him for each other out because the Bible says love is of God. He that loves is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. And Jesus said, they are know we are Christians by our love. Love is the acid test. It's the, it's the essence of what it means to be a Christian. For God so loved the world, he said, don't kill Him. God should not kill Justice is born because of God's love for us. And our justice now is a social justice. There's a justice that forgives us for our sin and a justice that makes us one. Call us to that one. God was in you, you- Christ reconciling the world unto himself and has given it to his church. The church is not black and white. You should know the church started with all the nations on the heaven together. It began to go out from Antioch, with the church was gathered, blacks and whites together. The names of those apostles, name of those believers, is, is was cross racial barriers. We in trouble, man. I wish I had I'm people here. Well, Dr. my dear yeah. white friends. And my dear black friends, black folks think that the black church can get them there by itself. It's going to take that oneness of the church. This is simple stuff. This is simple I know.
1: Stuff. I know. Well, it's simple, but it's hard. And that's the thing. And you have a quote here that I, I, I thought was very strong. It said, the problem with reconciliation in our country is, in our churches, is, is is much too big to be wrestled to the ground by plans that begin in the minds of men. This is a God-sized problem that only the church through the power of the Holy Spirit can heal. The question is, how can we as mere mortals meet that? How can we, what direction do we need to go to make that happen? And we will find out after we take a break, I guess. Right? Okay. We're going to take a quick break. This is, uh, you're talking with Dr. John Perkins. He's author, speaker, and and longtime uh, racial reconciliation uh, expert. And we're really talking a little bit about his life and about some of the things that are going on today. You can give us a call at 877 MPP Ring. That's 877 672 7464. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPP Think Radio. Good morning. You're listening Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, of Mississippi Today. Today we've been speaking with Dr. John Perkins about the state of America and his latest book. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, too. One Blood, Parting Words, in the Church on Race. If you'd like to be part of the show, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, just like Tony, who is on the line, who's got a question and a comment for Dr. Perkins. Hey, Tony, welcome to the show.
3: Hello. Hello. Dr. Perkins, I've been listening to the news and looking at all kinds of stuff. Man, you have just said some of the most profound words that I think need to ring true throughout all of the television networks or whatever. You are dead on what's going on. You are right on it. Like you said, the church has started with many denominations, and everybody's trying to find a way to separate. Remembering this, that God deals in addition and multiplication, the devil deals in division and subtraction. You are dead on it, and I just wanted to call you and tell you that you are the most. I, I, right now, I'm a 49-year-old person who lives in Mississippi, and I've seen a lot of racial things going on in my life. I'm watching the rise, you know, and, and I'm watching everything that's going on, but you are dead on it. You have got to keep your message going. You need to Thank you, Mr. Ramsey, for putting them on, because that's what we need to hear right there. And I'm going to get t- off the
2: phone. And, 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 I'm telling you, that some of that is happening. People like Brother Ramsey. And I could tell you other people, when I came to Jackson, it took some time. It didn't happen overnight. Some of the outstanding leaders here, they almost had to do it quietly. They would come to my side. And they would. Get, I could call some of the names. Uh, uh, the Irby family. One of the big families, uh, 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 Victor Smith, uh, an all man. Uh, they they got got to know Christ in a good way, and they would they've been helping me. I came when I moved to Jackson, I met with nine leaders. It grew to twelve leaders, and that we were saying, what can we do? So I wasn't able to go around this world by myself doing this. It was because there's people who join, white people. You know, one, of the uh, one of the wealthiest Hispanics in California, when I went there, he became my friend. And he wanted to see reconciliation take place. And other people wanted to see reconciliation. And I said, I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to be you no know, white hater or black hater. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to over-exalt. Out of so-called race, because race is one of the biggest lies that you could ever tell. That's what One Blood is about. That all of the genealogy go back to Adam. Even every time we fail, the genealogy has to come and take us back to Adam, that we might be one. He created us to represent the One God, and the church was to do that. So I, I'm not going to go. You're not going to get me. I mean, you don't get me. I'm gonna, not going to talk all barbershop stuff. I like the Bobby shop talk. I learned a lot in the barbershop talk. You understand? But I'm telling you, pitting one race against another, demonizing one race. You understand? They did demonize. But it was the right position for us to call ourselves black folk instead of Afro-Americans. It needs to start at home first. And when we got it down to black and another young generation rose up and said, Black life matters too. Boy that's a pretty true statement. I know some of the violence in there. I know some of the nihilistic people in there. This gives them opportunity to steal and to break in windows, burn buildings. I understand all that. But that don't override dignity. Abraham Lincoln said it. I might have said it before. You can fool some of the people all the time, and all the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. We're at a crisis opportune moment. Hey, Doctor Perkins. Doctor yes. Perkins,
1: I um, I, I was reading an article Will Norton, who wrote about you in Christianity Today, and wrote about you a couple other times too, and. Um, he, you know, he wrote an article and there was a case in West Jackson back in the 70s when um, a police officer was responding to a call and the businessman shot him. Black businessman shot him. Very much the same kind of scenario. I mean, you, what you're seeing today. And you came in there and you you did a street you did a street uh, festival and you you helped lift up the community and you helped defuse the situation. What kind of advice would you give today? To, to help not diffuse the situation, because obviously the, the protests are important in what's going on, but what would you advice would you give to people that are putting on protests today and so forth on how to be able to work through this? Well, I'm, I'm doing a little
2: of it through my Skype, and even though I'm in clothes. I'm still bringing uh, whites and blacks together. It might even be better that way. You you get the idea that they hear each other without seeing each other. Because when they see each other together, uh, I know most of the meetings I go to, uh, I have to tell white folks every time how bad they have been. And that takes up all the time.
3: But it also lowers (laughs) the spirit.
2: It also lowers the spirit. And coming together to eat is a one-time all of your senses is alert. Did you know that?
1: Yeah, I've together, read you said that eating together that is sentence. the best place to reconcile. That makes that's real, Makes a lot of sense.
2: To sit down together, have a meal together.
1: Yeah.
2: Have a meal together. The, the sign of Christianity is so-called the Lord's Supper and, that we have here. And we have to do that together until he returns. That's the time when they were intensely listening to what he was saying. And we need to then get that time for we can come together and intensively listen to each other, not dehumanizing each other, not recognizing the fact that the essence, along with love, of the gospel is reconciliation. That's the mission. That's the mission he sends us on. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, and he's in us reconciling us to each other. Oh, Lord, God, have mercy. That's the Bible, that we might know God and to make him known and to take him into all the world and all the tribes of the world and that we love each other. We love each other. I think we got to try that on a little level. Just how like Will Norton came down and wrote that the letter that people got to know me. Nobody know me until after that. February seventh, 1970, beaten in the Brandon jail, and about three months later, Will Norton come down to write my story, and he got that one story into about four or five different magazines, and people heard about me. Uh, t- one two years later, I went to a conference in Chicago, and I spoke. Uh, uh, Hatfield was at that conference. And Senator Hatfield, he was he was not a bigot. He was a man of God, you know. And uh, I got to know him, and I got to know other people in, 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 in life. And so it's been that. Finding those small groups. Finding those people who, who agree with you. And then add other people to that. And don't come together. Now you don't have to tell us how bad we're being. We need to talk now about the dignity. We need to sing the little children's song. God loves the little children. All the children of the world, red, brown, and yellow, black, and white, they all are precious in his sight. I mean, that's the kind of conversation we need to
1: have. And we need to have it now. We're having it. Right. Yeah,
2: thank you, well you
1: Man. you do that. I mean that's the thing that you get up in the morning very early and you're skyping with people all around from California at 3:30 in the morning they're talking and I mean it's great. And I think you touched on something really important. It's like if somebody is your friend, if you have if you've sat down and broken bread with them, if you have a relationship with them, if they sit there and look you in the eye and say there's a problem, you're most likely going to listen. You're not going to get as offended. That's right. And you right.
2: I, I I did something once I was a guest pastor out of one of the largest churches in Seattle, and and I was there to do what I do, you know, talk about that for two months. And one evening I got together. Uh, they were primarily Japanese, but all the Asian group go to one of the other Asian groups too. You know, they crossed the barrier. Uh, and 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 I, and I shared my story. They got in touch with their interns during World War II. And every ethnic group within that, a young group, have felt offended by their own by, their, by their own ethnicity. They all had felt that at some time white folks had made them feel less than they was. And that was surprising. I said, we had a dangerous stage here. We had a dangerous stage. And if you look at these marches, oh, boy, you see how much of culture they were. Right. So, so, look, man, we had that. John said in 1 John, he said, if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we'll have friendship, fellowship, one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, keep on washing our sins away. That's what we need, our sins away. I said, we all believe that. We all believe that. But it's hard to get us to repent. Because some of these sins, it looks like it prospers us. And especially as it relates to money and things. And we all want that money and things. You know? But if we get together and talk about these things, talk about our children, talk about our grandchildren. You know, one time I spoke to the black caucus here in Jackson, and then I spoke to the conservative caucus, that's the white caucus. I said the same thing to both of them separate, and they all had my picture on the front page of Slurring <laughs> Had black caucus picture on one side and had white, and both of them. I said the same thing to both of them.
1: Would you tell? Same
2: thing to both of them. We all want for our children the best, so we need to talk about loving one another. We need to stop saying no to our children. You can't do this. Those signs are all gone, you know. But the but the but the damage has been done, and there's a young generation themselves. Being raised up, and they're calling themselves uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. Too. Now, with that is a multitude, mixed mother, too. You got all kinds of people in there. Some is a nihilistic black, some is a uh, radical white, some is taking this opportunity to get their hate out on white people have hurt them, too. That's the so story I just told. You get that idea? Right. We, we got to create. Hate was never supposed to be used as a value. In the last five years, in our political era,
1: they have made hate the dominant force.
2: That's
1: dangerous. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Well, it's time for our last break, and we'll return. We'll wrap up the show with our guest, Dr. John Perkins. Fun lines are still open. If you have a question or comment, the number to call is eight seven seven M T B ring. That's 8776727464 stay tuned this is now you're talking on MPB thank radio
0: Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life's disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, with Mississippi Today. Today we've been discussing racial tensions in America with our guest, civil rights activist, community developer, best-selling author, Dr. John Perkins. Hey, there's still time for you to get in your question or comment. The number to call is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Dr. Perkins, like I said, your, your time, I mean, your message is timeless, and it has been so important throughout the years. You're coming up on a big birthday tomorrow. You're going to hit 90. You actually have stepped back a little bit, and your daughters are now running some day-to-day operations on everything. But where do you go from here? Because how do you keep your message going? Now, your book, and I want you to talk a little bit about One Blood because I think it's a brilliant book, but how do you keep this going when you're needed as much now as ever? Well, I
2: think I'm, we are learning this now through the Zoom. Uh We have what used to be my 5 o'clock local, five, 5.30 five, local Bible study, I now have taken it national. And, and and we want to keep it under control. So we've been having it open at 200 people, you know. Uh, and But so many people are calling and can't get in. We're going to look at that again. I don't understand all this technology. <laughs> but, but we're also doing some great things here. Uh, I'm talking to people like the Pine Lake Church. It's one of the largest in the state of Mississippi. It's about seven or eight churches together. I, I fell in love with his father, uh, Chip, who, uh, uh, there, and he said that he wanted me and him to work tightly together and to work with all these seven or eight congregations to have here together. I'm not going to come over there. His father used to pastor a Baptist church in Brandon where I was beaten. I'm not coming over there beating those people over the head. I didn't
1: forgive them. Right. I'm going to talk about how we together can love one another. So, so Dr. We Perkins, have, we have we actually have a caller who likes to make a comment for uh, to you. We've got Rhonda from <laughs> Jackson. Rhonda, welcome to the show. What, what's your comment for Dr. Perkins?
0: Hello, Dr. Perkins. My name is Rhoda. You might remember my parents, Raymond and Fanny Byler, and I have always been a just a fan of yours. And I, I call to say thank you, thank you for all that you have done for Jackson, for the church, for us white folks, for uh, Mississippi and the the whole country and the whole world. You're just you're one of my heroes and I just um, heard you coming on this morning and I delayed what I was doing just so I could listen, and I've really been blessed this morning and I thank you again and Happy Happy Birthday tomorrow.
2: Yeah, When we first moved to Jackson, the men and all, your mother and my wife, they started a Bible class. In our garage house out in back over there on St. Charles Street. Mm -hmm. And they would put up signs of who they would pray. I I used that in my office, you know. Hmm. I I put up signs, they put up signs of who they prayed for, and they would leave those signs up, and they would erase them, just mark through them so that people could still see, and we could see how they were, people they were praying for. Mm -hmm. Your name probably was on there. My boy's name was. was on there and of course they they they, they prayed, mm-hmm. and my boys some of them started going, wild. one of them became began to sell some dope, and he was playing football, Lord, mama had to get him out of jail, but the people surrounded him, the coaches surrounded him, and now he's a a, a music producer and been a pretty successful businessman, That's you know and, absolutely. And, and that's when that's when Bell Haven College, I became a friend to uh, the president there.
0: And we started meeting together in a little group. I think that's what we got to do. And mm-hmm. I just also remember the one time when you honored us coming to our dinner table on Mount Vernon Avenue and ate I, dinner with us. And I totally agree with you that one of the ways to break down these barriers and to keep to keep moving forward in this day and age is to keep eating together, keep fellowshipping together. And I'm really proud to be a part of a church that is doing that.
2: So and I'm, this, I'm, thank you I'm, so I'm thankful too. And I don't know who Dr. Ramsey is here, but there was another Ramsey was a famous guy. And you people like you all of y'all, all of us working together, even like you said in your introduction, You are not taking sides, but you're listening for truth. You're not taking sides, you're looking for truth. I like that. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much for the call. I appreciate that, Rhonda. That was was great. In our last couple minutes, what final advice would you give for us right now, Dr. Perkins, um, as we're going into, you know, the next whoever knows what we're going into?
2: I give to what an old one, Henry Ford, said this one. He said, coming together is the beginning. Working together is progress. Staying together is success and loving each other. That's how I stayed with Viramay or how she
1: stayed with me for seventy
2: years married.
1: And happy anniversary, by the way. That's that's yeah. a wonderful story.
2: Yeah, and I wanna thank all of you guys. I wanna honor you. I wanna honor the network for understanding the important and that's what y'all are doing is is having conversation and
1: that's what we need dr perkins thank you we've we've hit a wall and run out of time but thank you so much for spending the hour with us i think we're all better off for it and of course i think the world's a better place because of you and i appreciate you being part of the show all right if you'd like to hear the show again or any past episode listen to our podcast and our favorite podcast app or by downloading our mpb public media app Now you're talking this production of MPB Think Radio is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Hey, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell. And remember, we will get through this together. Have a great week. Stay safe.